Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. G'day. Thanks for listening. This is Better Than Yesterday, a podcast that's been making it better every episode since 2013, learning something new through a conversation with a person that has been through it. I love making this show because I learn a lot. And I certainly hope you do too. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we're here. Mondays and Wednesdays with a guest, Fridays with you. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and um, sometimes I make podcasts, sometimes I work on the telly. Once I wrote a book, I'm trying to write another book. I sit on my rowing machine, I listen to the birds. I go, oh, there's a Channel Bill Cuckoo somewhere in our neighborhood that's the most horrifically brilliant and awfully fantastic of all Australian kind of birds. It's not really, it is Australian, it spends half its year here. But yeah, I'm that guy, and I'm glad you're here. On Wednesdays, what we do is we go back and have a listen to episodes that we reckon you might want to have another revisit if you're new, because there's a couple, there's 500 episodes, 500 interviews on a Monday and over 200 chats on a Friday that you know you can get around. There's 10 years of work here. And in 2021, we had a fantastic chat with world champion surfer, most successful female surfer in history, Australian megastar, Lane Beachley. She's the only surfer in the world male or female, to have won six consecutive world titles. Between 98 and 2003, she did that. In 2006, she won a seventh and then retired. I'm out. Retired from the ASP, the world tour, all over in 2008. Lane has a fantastic story. And today we're going to listen to a few little bits of a much longer conversation, which you can hear if you go back to episode 369. Uh, We talk about how she used exposure therapy while surfing the really big waves as a way to get rid of her fear, her marriage to Kirk Pengilly, the bloke from NXS, and I guess the illusion that follows females in competitive surfing. So we're going to start today with Lane talking about the prize money in a surfing competition and the disparity between men and women who are surfing the same waves with the same amount of risk. When I joined the tour in 1990? Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. How much was that? I thought, oh, we didn't record the prize money. Shame. Should have done that in my book. Oh, that's in my ledger. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got my first ledger. 
But the prize money disparity, yeah, became very clearly apparent from the start. Yeah. Then also the sponsorship dollars and opportunities for life after sport, mm. that became very apparent. The representation, the opportunities to compete in reasonable conditions, the support of the governing body, like all of it was very focused and catered toward the men. Women, we were just the sideshow. Yeah. And I, it's, it's interesting, I remember watching the conditions, you talked about conditions and the, the conditions that they asked you to go out and, and start that heat in. The direction mm. of the swell, I remember the wave was closing out really hard and there was a couple of people that went over the falls and I remember interviewing them afterwards and it like someone had attacked them with a cheese grater and mm. some of these women were so torn up. I'm like, you wouldn't run the men competition when the wave was coming that direction to the reef. What are you doing asking the year prior to that, actually, 2002 in the final, because I won it in 2001, and the conditions were quite favourable that year for us. But in 2002, it got to the semi-final, and Kiala Kenley and I had both made it through the semi-finals into the final. And after the semi-finals, the swell jacked up a couple of feet, so it started around six to eight, jacked up to these 10-foot rope sets, turned very west, which is just predominant closeout. And this reef is on a not only is it jagged and sharp, but it's fire coral, so it burns you and grates you. And the boys suggested, look, look, too shit for us. You guys keep going for it. You, you know, we'll send the girls out. And it was so dangerous, so unethical to send us out there. Like, it's just unacceptable that we surfed it. But we felt like we had no choice, so we just endured it. And that's what we did year after year after year. We just copped it, turned the shit, send the girls out. So quite insulting now we look back on it but fortunately things have changed and the girls don't have to endure that anymore how is it different now well now they have a commissioner that represents the women's tour and a commissioner that represents the men's tour they have a governing body that wholeheartedly support and value female athletes they provide them with equal opportunity to surf in equal conditions in equal locations and they don't cancel events to save money to inject into the men's tour, which is what they used to do to us, cancel our events to inject the money back into the men. Right. I guess it was things like that, because I, I vaguely recall the final or one of the heats on this year, because me and Jacko were out in the boat watching it happen, and we watched a yeah. whole heat go by, and by then it wasn't three people in a heat, it was two people in a heat. I can't remember where it was, but no one paddled into a set. Yes. Uh, Try food? Yeah. Yeah. That happened quite often because the girls were that shit scared that they did not want to embrace their fear. They did not want to threaten their own lives. Chopu was a venue that very few girls embraced, let alone wanted to go to. And I must admit it scared the shit out of me too. But for me to succeed and become the champion that I uh, vowed to become or decreed, then it was important for me to embrace those fears and, and overcome them. So I made friends with the reef by first cutting myself on it many times and then taking off my leg rope and allowing my board to drift and then diving down and just exploring it and getting familiar with it. And then I was able to make friends with it. And then I, then I stopped fearing it. Then I stopped hitting it until of course we were sent out in 10 foot surf when it was wet. And <laughs> that was inevitable to hit it countless times. Hang on a sec. Take me through that. Cause this is, it sounds to me like you're describing the kind of thing that my shrink makes me do when it's exposure therapy time. Oh, they don't shock you or something. No, they? no, no. Exposure therapy, like obsessive compulsive disorder is one of the things that's going on with my head and exposure right. therapy is a very successful way to treat that. It's very uncomfortable. Ooh. It's very yeah. uncomfortable. You just have to learn with, you learn to be with the discomfort of the thing. 
All right, you learn to be oh, with the discomfort good. of yeah. By consistently exposing yes. yourself to it. Yes, yes, uh-huh. yeah. In the same. Right. Well, I, I've subconsciously learned the exposure therapy without actually being put through therapy. So put myself through. So tell me about that, because not everyone's going to paddle into this this wave, but. Surely everyone knows, like, it could be an exam, it could be a job interview, it could be a date, it could be parent-teacher night, it could be, I don't know, going to see the divorce lawyer, it could be, I don't know, something that you're afraid of that you've got a long time to think about. Chopu, the wave we're talking about, is a kilometre offshore, long time to think about what's about to happen (laughs) as you're paddling out there. When did you realise, I'm going to have to do something about this, I'm going to have to get on top of this? Probably the third time I went there. So yeah. the first two times, I just allowed my fear to control me, and therefore I had a horrible time. I didn't enjoy being there. I certainly didn't embrace the opportunity of competing out there. It was almost like an obligation. All right, go out there, catch a couple of waves, do what you can. It was a matter of survival. Yeah, it was survive, no thrive. And uh, the following couple of years after that, I was like, okay, I, I want to do well out here because it's obviously going to be a long-term part of the tour. It's an opportunity for women to shine. It's an opportunity for us to show what we're made of. We're, we've been in these shitty beach break conditions for too long and it's not really highlighting the strengths or, or abilities of the athlete. So let's step it up. So first I took ownership of the fact that I was getting in my way. Then I thought, okay, what do I need to do? Like what's my predominant fear? My predominant fear is hitting the reef. Like that is it. And I've got plenty of proof points on my skin in the names of Chofu tattoos, where I can see evidence of where I've hit the reef many yeah. a time. Uh, okay, what's my predominant fear? Hitting a reef. What can I do to get okay with that? What can I do to get okay with that fear? Let's go and actually explore the reef. Let's go and see what it's made of, where the most jagged parts are. Are there any points in that reef where you could potentially avoid hitting it? In the event that you do get caught inside, where do you think the best place to be? I'd always feared being washed into the lagoon because I had to go over dry coral, but then I got familiar with the dry coral bits. And I thought, actually, they're okay to walk on. So I just made friends with it. I got familiar with it because the best way to overcome a fear is actually to shine a light and say, hello, friend. <laughs> hello, unfamiliar friend. I don't like you, but I need to learn to like you. And so then I got to like the reef. And Well, I didn't like the reef. Well, that's why. I mean, I became familiar with it. I went, okay, I already know that if I hit it, it hurts. It scars me. It burns me. It cuts me. I believe it's painful. And in Tahiti, they treat scars, cuts, reef cuts with fresh lime juice, nothing else. Let's just cut open a lime, cut it in half, and squeeze it all over you, which you might pour acid over my skin. I mean, it's excruciating. And then, yeah, it was a matter of just, okay, that's what I'm dealing with. I know the arena I'm going into. So now, what can I do to not avoid hitting the reef, but what do I need to focus on to? succeed which success means surfing a heat without coming out with blood on my skin so then I focused on my positioning on the waves where I paddle into the waves my eye line to maintain my line on the wave so yeah I focus on all the things that I can control and it's the classic cliche but what can you control same thing when you're going through a pandemic or a really challenging period in your life what can I control and so it starts with what's the outcome and then break it down to the process. And then how do you identify yourself? Do you identify yourself as someone that can do it? Or do you identify yourself as someone that cannot? You may or may not know that Lane Beachley is actually married to Kurt Pengilly. He's the guy from NXS with the moustache. Yeah, 
Yeah, the saxophone solo in Never Tear Us Apart. That's Kirk. Yeah, that's him. That's her husband. How did they meet? Well, it's just that we were set up on a blind date by John Stevens. And the whole reason that I accepted the challenge was because I made a promise to John that I would take Kirk on a date. I mean, I had zero interest in taking Kirk out on a date. Like, I was a fan as a 14-year-old, and now at 30 years of age, you're asking me to take out this geeky, dorking rock star dude who at the time was about 14 kilos overweight, balding, pasting white, oversized Hawaiian shirt, wearing barefoot rock star. I was like, seriously? This doesn't appeal to me. Yes, I'm being shallow and very judgmental and critical, but still, it doesn't appeal. But John was adamant that Kirk and I would get along. That would be the perfect combination because we've both been very successful. We understand all of the stuff that comes along with that. We've both been at the top of the world at something. We love to laugh. We have a great sense of humour. We don't take ourselves very seriously. But they were the only commonalities, quite honestly. So when I did uh, fulfil the obligation of asking Kirk out on a date, the whole time I'm thinking, I don't want to do this. I do not want to do this. I really have no desire to do this. There's no connection. There's no chemistry. I want nothing to do with this. However, the why at that point was I promised John that I would take Kirk out. So I persevered and I went up to Kirk and I asked him for his number, which he thought was very forthcoming. However, he understood the premise of the game we were playing and gave me his number and therefore I followed through with that and took Kirk, oh, someone's at the front door, and took Kirk. Did um, you get it? I don't know. Maybe Kirk's downstairs and he can get it. Get the rock star working. <laughs> but anyway, I took Kirk 10-pin bowling at DYRSL just to see how grounded he was. And then, <laughs> which was great. Loads of success. And you just celebrated 10 years of marriage. Yeah, yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> so I don't know how that pertains to the question that you asked me. I don't know. It's, I guess, you know, what, what, what we're talking about is the results of committing, the results of going. Oh, yes, the results of committing. Yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to yeah. go and do this. And the idea that what you were talking about, which I love, was that, you know, if I say no, that's my ego self-fulfilling its own authority on me going, see, I told you you'd be safe. Told you. I'm keeping you safe here, champ. That's it's going to be yeah. all right. Stick with me. It. Exactly. And then suddenly <laughs> you're in your 50s by yourself going, what happened? Yeah, why am I so lonely? <laughs> why is no one, like, and the truth be told, like there's that many people you've probably met in your life that were probably amazing for you. <laughs> yeah, that I'm not a good enough. I'm not deserving of love. You know, if they get too close to me, they'll realise that I'm not the person that they think I am. Yeah, yeah. There's so many layers of fear we put in front of ourselves to validate where yeah. we're at, and that keeps us safe and keeps us comfortable. You're you're a popular human being. I really am. There we go. That's all right. I'm back. When did you start mm. to put together that all these things that you'd learned to get you to the top of the world in your sport and an unequaled achievement in your sport? When did you start to put together that these things may have value for other people and you may be able to help other people better their lives through the skill set that you've developed? It's been an evolution, quite honestly. It's not something I just awakened to one day. I went, the life lessons that I have, I can apply to everybody. It was more that when you become successful, when I became successful, especially as a, a multiple-time world champion, one of the well, the only surfer in history to win six consecutive world titles, people want to know, how do you do it? How can I apply what you've learned to my life and then replicate what you've done? And then I realised that people wanted to hear it from me. Now, the first time I gave a public or a keynote to a corporation, I received a formal written complaint. That's how bad it was. 
it was a dismal failure. And so then I had to learn how to do it properly. And then I realized the value in my content and the value in my knowledge and my wisdom. And so as year by year, it continues to evolve as I continue to learn and absorb and apply new things and, and fail at things. And that's really the inspiration behind creating my academy to shortcut the struggle and help people wake up and detach from fear and own that shit, really. We're back in a minute with uh, Lane Beachley because I do have to play some ads to pay all the people to help me make this show. But before we do, can I ask if this show is bringing you some sort of value, you can repay that by sharing it with somebody. Just tell somebody about it or email or text or whatever. That's all you got to do. It's a piece of cake. It doesn't cost you anything, but it makes us cash. So thank you. We're back in a minute with Lane. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Better Make It Quick. I'm Osha Ginsberg, and we're revisiting my conversation from 2021 with Lane Beachley, the Australian surfing legend, Lane Beachley. Surfers, I guess, they, they have an illusion that comes along with being a part of a competitive sport. And for females in surfing, that does come with how good you look wearing a bikini. So I wanted to know what Lane thought about that. Yeah, I didn't subscribe to that illusion. I didn't subscribe to that that bullshit that you had to look a certain way. Actually, no, I know it because I did subscribe to it. I subscribed to it so heavily in my early 20s that I went and did the most, the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life, and that was get liposuction. Wow. On my inner thigh, so I could just have the legs of a pro surfer. But I had such strong, amazing legs, and I just fucked them up. Well, I chose to do something that I deeply regret because I wanted to fit in and conform and look a certain way that apparently that was the way you meant to look. And I had convinced myself that I'd done all the things that I needed to do to achieve that. But if I throw an honest lens over the top of that back when I was 24 years of age, my diet, my exercise, my hydration, my sleep, like everything that contributes to your body, my mind, everything that contributes to it was not, incongru- <laughs> it was not congruent with what I was going for. So, hey, silver bullet, silver one, give these. The tube, stick it down my legs, suck that fat out so I can have the look that the industry expects of me. Yeah. Elaine, so, well, thank, thank you for sharing that. I, I, I can't yeah. imagine the pressure that you must have been under. This is 25 years before now we're talking. You were, yeah. you know, still... Yeah. Still, like in your early twenties, you still haven't finished. Yep. You haven't finished growing. <laughs> no, you know? I haven't. I know it's outrageous. 
just the lengths that I went to was that ridiculous. Yeah. And the thing is that I was never going to have the look that the industry were looking for. I didn't have the golden glamour girl image. I was never the golden glamour girl. I've been bookended by the two most glamorous girls in surfing, and that's Stephanie Gilmore and Lisa Anderson. And I'm kind of this little black sheep that sits in the middle of that. But what I do pride myself in doing is taking one surfing into a completely different realm, and, you know, venturing into big wave surfing, yeah. having more of a political mindset and positioning as the challenging the status quo and letting people know that the way they behave is not okay and creating greater levels of equity and equality for women in surfing. So that was where my value was. It had nothing to do with how I looked in the bikini. I absolutely see that and I can't imagine what it was like to have that in your heart at the same time as operating within the system that I saw when I was working with the Pro Tour and the value that I saw of women on and off the water, people who were behind the scenes as well. Yeah, you're the one that thought. Yeah, it struck me as, wow, you realise it's not 1981, guys. No, they were living in the 80s for as long as they could possibly live I don't think it's okay to say that sort of thing. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Some of the shit they used to say, some of the ways they used to treat us, some of the things they used to do, like there's this great movie coming out. The working title was Sideshow, but now it's called Girls Can't Surf. And it's literally a documentary about women surfing the 80s and 90s and early 2000s and what we endured. And it's just so unacceptable now. And even some of the journalists, the things they used to write about us and say about us in captions, it was just so sexist. And so chauvinistic, and it was just, yeah, it was unacceptable. Yeah, that great line from Puberty Blues, girls can't surf. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Can we catch a wave with me? I'll show you how girls surf. Yeah, on a freaking wave twice as big as my house at Jaws, Jiminy Crickets. (laughs) No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. You've done it. So you, you know. No, outside log cabins. I didn't do Jaws. Oh, did I went lo- out there, but I didn't catch anything. You didn't catch it. You did log cabins. My goodness. Yeah, I did log Still. cabins. 50 footer at log cabins. Good God. That'll, that'll do it. Yeah. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Something you do and go, okay, I've done that. Yeah. To go, it's like when I went to Owls. You know, I was invited to go and surf at Owls, that notorious wave off Botany Bay, Kate Salander. And one of the bra boys, Mike Matthews, invited me to go and be the first female that surfed this. And I accepted his invitation, not having very little idea. Absolute ignorance was left in this particular day. I had no idea what this wave was all about. Little did I know that it comes in from very deep water, hits a barnacle-covered slab of rock, and then rolls into a rock face. And it barrels. If you're in the barrel, good. If you're not, you die. Well, you don't die, but you get hurt. And... um yeah, I went, I did it. I successfully rode one of the biggest, gnarliest, heaviest barrels of my life and went, oh, hey, I'm done, thanks, bye, never going back. My full conversation with Lane Beachley is really good. I'm so stoked that she made time. She's been in my life for a long time. I met her when I was working adjacent to the world tour and we kept in touch and she's been significant in my life. Particularly, I called her when I was having a really bad time in the early 2000s before I got diagnosed with um, social phobia. Things weren't going well at all. And she was a person of high profile and I just needed to talk to someone about what it was to have people stare at you all the time. And she's really, you know, she invited me around to her house and she's super cool and like 
think her and Kirk have always been really lovely to me. And I'm so grateful that she said yes to coming on that show. It's a great conversation, the full version of it, because she talks a lot about how she prepares herself when she surfs really big waves, waves she could lose her life surfing. She talks about what she learned by consistently being number two in the world. Her strong relationship with fear, that stuff is great. She's a very wise person. You can find it episode 369. Scroll backwards in the feed and you can check it out. Or forwards. I don't know how you saw your podcast. That's it's your, your phone. Do whatever you want. Um, I'm back here on Friday. I'll see you then. Thanks, everyone, that made me help me make the show. Andy Ma, who did audio and video post. Abby Benno, who produced the episode. Uh, Toe Hider, who made the music. Go find him on Patreon. He's doing 12 EPs in 12 months. He's a weapon. I love him. And um, Ben Richardson. Thanks, guys. See you Friday. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.